There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. It's Monday again on the podcast. We're sort of thankful for each of you that listen, each of you that tune in. And we have some folks listening from even out of the country now. We're thankful for them. If you look at the stats, you'll see there's been listeners from the, the nation of Canada. We've had folks from Mexico, had folks from Korea that have listened to the podcast. And what a blessing it is to know that folks are listening. So we want to be a help. We don't promote this other than just verbally in churches and personally. And we just let folks know that we teach doctrine. We're not here to mince words and not here to make you feel good about yourself. We're just here to teach doctrine of the Word of God. People talk about unity today, and they want unity, unity, unity. And you hear that so often in churches and with people. We need unity, but you realize doctrine will bring unity, but doctrine will also divide. And so the purpose of doctrine is twofold. That's why it's a two-edged sword. It's why we reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, and so we teach doctrine, but we're long-suffering in that doctrine. You may not agree with me, and I may not believe what I believe, but if I stand on the Word of God and teach it correctly, then the Word of God is right. It's an absolute. It's a perfect truth. And so doctrine does divide, and so that we expect fully that this doctrine, many of the doctrines that are taught here, will cause division. Why? Because it's contrary to modern thinking. It's contrary to popular thinking. It's contrary to modern religious practice. Yet the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we want to thrust that sword in. We want to bring folks in unity with doctrine, but we want to divide over false doctrine. That spirit of truth, spirit of error. We must know those things according to the Word of God. As we're at the Dublin Mills Community Church this week over in Dublin Mills, Pennsylvania, uh, we'll be there tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and then, of course, again, Wednesday night, the last night at 7 o'clock. And so we'd love to have you visit. It's about 30 minutes north of McConnellsburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, not far off the Turnpike exit. I guess about 20 minutes off of exit 180 on the Turnpike. And so we'd love to have folks visit, love to have you visit. And uh, you pray for us. Pray that God will move in the services. Pray that God will work in the little church out there in the country. And uh, we need to see uh, folks strengthened. We need to see someone God come into condemnation. We need to see folks pricked in the heart. And that's our desire from the Word of God. I'm going to go back to Psalm 95, and I want to visit this passage because I feel like the Lord has very much pressed me out of measure to go back at verse 10 and verse 11 and then go reference this over in 1 Corinthians. And he said this in verse 10, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And again, we've talked about this. We understand this is a Psalm of David. That's according to Hebrews chapter four. And he's referencing this uh, as an understanding of what the children of Israel were. Not just what they did, but the fact they erred in their heart, what they became. God's chosen people, yet in the wilderness, they murmur and they turn from God. They turn to idols. I mean, I said on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago, Moses comes down off the mount 
And uh, as they've also sworn to believe the Lord thy God and swore that they'll do his commandments and taken an oath that they'll do these things, Moses just went ahead and sprinkled them with the blood anyway. Why did Moses sprinkle them with the blood? Because God had shown him what they would become. God had shown them what they needed. They could not do this on their own. They could not survive on their own. They needed God. And so God would help them and God would strengthen them. Moses came down off the mountain with those tablets and the law of God. And what are they doing? They're dancing naked before golden calves. And and Moses, of course, had them ground up, strong upon the water and made them drink of their idols. They confounded them. And so we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the children of Israel, or it tells on them what they had done, why they would not enter into his rest. I don't think things have changed. I believe this is an admonition for our understanding today, because he said, moreover, brethren, I would not have, you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so again, they all passed through, they all saw, they were all baptized, and they all, he said, drank of that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, Jesus Christ with them. And that that rock was Jesus Christ, and they partook of that, they drank of him, And even though they partook of him, yet they perished in the wilderness by their unbelief. We saw that on Friday in the podcast. They would not believe God. Why wouldn't they believe God? Well, their eyes were blinded because of their own lust. Lord willing, tomorrow in the podcast, we're going to address this. And we talk about their confounding in chapter 97 of Psalms. They're confounded by their idols. They do not see the truth. They do not see Jesus Christ. They do not see what their need is. They don't see what they really are. And it's no different today. The drunk on the street, most of them don't know they have a need, especially if they're polished drunk, especially if they're a refined drunk or a refined drug addict and they prosper in society and they make money and wear clean clothes. They don't see their need. They don't realize that their addiction is destroying their soul. Uh, the man that looks at pornography secretly in his life and secretly in his in his a private place and Nobody knows that he's looking at it. He doesn't know that it's for his soul. And by the way, most men don't have to hide it. Most men just are open about it. It's religious men that have to hide it because it's such a shame on them. It's such a reproach on them. And so they feel more obligated to hide it than a heathen off the street would. But they just openly look at pornography today. Why? Because they think it's okay to do, but it's destroying their soul. And so it is with a man in the house of God. Raised in the house of God, taught of the house of God, he looks at the filth and the godlessness and all that wretchedness that it brings, and he does not see his need of Jesus Christ. Why, it blinds his eyes that he cannot see. It's a, it's a destroyer of his soul, and he cannot see that. And so he goes on in verse 5, it says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That's, by the way, that's all but two. There were only two that entered in, Joshua and Caleb. God was displeased with the others that came out of Egypt. That's why they wandered for 40 years, yet the blessings of God were upon them in the wilderness, but they all perished save two. And what a tragedy that is, and what an awful estate that is to see the same rock that removed them out of Egypt land. The I am of the word of God brought them out of Egypt land, took them 
to the border of the promised land, but they could not enter into his rest until in 40 years they had all perished, and then God opened up Jordan to let them cross over into Jordan land, that promised land, the land promised to Abraham, and it was given to the children of Israel. But yet many of them, God was not pleased. Why? He tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is why they could not enter into his rest. And I believe this is why men cannot enter his rest today. That's why he tells men to labor, that you may enter into his rest. Why? Because they will not labor. And again, labor is not work. Labor is just that matter of struggling through these things and burrowing through these things and trying to get yourself prepared and understanding the work of God internally and knowing that you're wicked and knowing you're ungodly. And yet there's men today that think that they're righteous and they're holy, but they're perverse and they're filthy and they're unholy in their actions and their thinking and their speech and what their eyes behold. You couldn't cleanse their minds with fire today because men's minds are so polluted. But yet they're delayed, but they may enter into this rest, that God can give them rest. And he said on this wise. Now, these things were our examples. What? Those that were overthrown in the wilderness. This was in samples for us to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so he, we know that they lusted over these things. And, of course, we know about the manna. They were tired of manna. They wanted meat, so God sent them quail. They vomited out of their nostrils. Why? Because they were filled with lust. He said, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, it's interesting he uses that illustration because that's exactly what America is today. Most nations of the world are today. In verse 1 of Numbers 11, he says, When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed them that were the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire is quenched. In verse 4, it says, The mixed multitudes among them fell a lusty. And the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? In verse 10, Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. In verse 33, while flesh was yet between their teeth, it was chewed. The wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Again, God had given his children instructions to eat that manna, yet they despised the manna. Why? Because they despised God. You despise what you have in life, it's because you despise God. Covetous over the things of this world and the things that others have. And by the way, that's exactly what covetousness is. It's desiring what others have, wanting what others had, trying to keep up with everybody else. That covetousness will destroy you. That covetousness will saturate your soul. That covetousness will cause you to do reprehensible things and awful things, trying to satisfy it, and yet you cannot satisfy it. It displeases the Lord. And so he goes on and tells us in these things, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. The Apostle Paul spoke of that in his own testimony. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 of his own testimony said, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. 
And so the loss that thou shalt not covet, the apostle Paul, who was the chiefest of all sinners, he said, what was his sin? Oh, it was just covetousness. It was just enough to keep him from God. It was just enough lust to keep him from salvation. It was just enough lust that he wouldn't see Jesus Christ. Yet when Jesus Christ appeared to him on that road to Damascus, and he called him by name, he says, Who art thou, Lord? His eyes were opened when the lust ceased. His eyes were opened when the covetousness stopped. We're in a day when men are filled with lust. And I realize it's still summer. And those of you, especially down south, it's even worse because it's warmer, longer. Those in Florida get no relief, but you go to the store and you go out in public and just the indecency and the nudity and the graphic horribleness of today. And it seems like everybody under the sun's got a new tattoo in some odd, obscure, vile place and they got to show it off. And so they got to show their thigh tattoos and their chest tattoos and their back tattoos and everybody's just uncovered and indecent. But you realize that's external lust. But what about those hidden things of the heart? What about those internal covetousness, those things we desire because God has been so unrighteous to us, because God has failed to provide for us and the things we want? God has not given us what we desire. God has not given us more gold and silver. God has not blessed us more financially. God has not given us what our neighbors have. How about those covetous things? Those are the same lusts that destroy the soul. They war against the soul. That's why we're to flee worldly lust, because they do war against the soul. It's a battle for your soul. Yet men, their hearts are filled with lust, and they cannot see Jesus Christ. He said in verse 7, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's today. They eat, they drink. They eat. What were they doing in, in Noah's day? And when wickedness was so great upon the face of the earth, they were eating, they were drinking, they were making merry. It was about entertainment. It was about sport. It was about being entertained. That's where we are today. People eat and they drink, and eating is a huge thing in America, and drinking is a massive, monstrous thing in America, and they rose up to play. Men don't work today. They want to play. Well, almost like the French with a 30-hour work week and work 30 hours. By the way, 30 hours is nothing. I mean, we had men of yesteryear. We still have farmers and a few others today that, you know, they work 60, 70 hours a week. They work hard. But I found out a whole lot more of those people will seek God in their life because of the hard work, because they know what it means to work, and they know what it means to sweat, and they know what it means to find rest. And they find rest in that Lord's day, and they find relief in that Lord's day, and they find relief at the house of God on the Lord's day. And then Jesus Christ one day is going to enter them into their rest. Men today want to work 30-hour a week, if even that. Why? Because they want to play. Grown men staying home playing video games. Adults staying home playing video games. We live in a day when men do not want to work. They don't want to sweat. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to do anything except for leech off of the government and leech off of others. And yet, how many of those men today do you see finding salvation? There are a few here and there, but it's only when they repent of those things. It's only when they work through those lusts and through those idolatries and they get over that mindset that, that God is here for them. No, they're here to glorify God. And when you get that mindset and begin to understand that everything's going to change. Hasten then leave the let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. 
Fornication is a vile thing. Even the child of God, fornication is such a vile thing. And fornication is simply this. It is a sexual promiscuity. It's sexual uh, actions between unmarried persons. That's what fornication is. He said in 1 Corinthians 5, 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. He said to flee fornication. Why? Every sin that a man committed, he committed without the body. The he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. And can I say to you, fornication is wrong. Fornication is a sin. Fornication at its very best will limit God in your life. Those you lost without Christ, it will blind your eyes the reality of Jesus Christ. Why? They fell in the wilderness because of fornication. He said three and 20,000 of them fell. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. I'm going to stop there for today. I believe we'll continue this thought tomorrow with the Lord's help. Would you pray for us? Pray for the services. Pray for the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are seen.